Let's pray together. God, we come together to worship. A people who would like to think that we love you with all our hearts, souls, and with all our might. But there are so many other things in our lives that clamor for our attention. That we often regulate you to Sundays and Wednesdays in times when we want you to rescue us. Most of us really do want you to be the one to whom we live and move and have our being. We really do want to hear your voice above all the other voices in our lives. But we get bogged down in the daily routine and we forget who we are and we forget who you are. And we forget what the church is supposed to be. So here we are. Standing before you today with our human foibles and our short attention spans, asking that you would make yourself known to us and that you would help us to recognize the presence of the holy, that you would continue to challenge us and inspire us and to make us into the people that you want us to be. Help us, God, to have teachable spirits and help us to teach others of your love. Help us to be people who love to tell the story, a story that some have never heard, a story of Jesus and his love. Amen. Our hymn this morning is number 581. I love to tell the story. 581. If you are able, please stand and join in singing. 581.
open sermon this morning. And I say join us because I have three special guests with me this morning that are going to help me with the children's sermon. So you guys come on down. You can sit on the steps or, or sit right here. I am not Miss Ellen. I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'll try to do my best here this morning. But we have three special guests and I need you guys, the children and our adults, choir, everybody to help me welcome these guests. We have Aiden, the basketball coach. Can you welcome him this morning? All right. We have Maggie, the firefighter. Let's, all right. And we have, we have Becca, the school teacher. All right. Okay. All right. Well, and I have some problems that I need some, you guys to help me with this morning. Let me sit over here so everybody can, I won't get in the way. I'm kind of a large fella. Um, we have some, I have some problems this morning and need you guys to see if, if you can help me. And I need you to see if you can help me identify the right helper for these problems. Okay. First of all, I have some kids that need to learn how to play basketball. Okay. Um, I, I think the firefighter could help us with that. Can you step out? What, what do you think? No. Okay. All right. Well, maybe the basketball coach. Okay. All right. Oh, well, if, if you think so. Okay. All right. The next problem I have is I've got, these are pretend problems. I, so don't panic Renee. Um, we've got a fire in our carport at home and I need somebody to help me, help me put it out. Uh, the teacher, teacher knows a lot because they teach. So can the teacher, can teacher help put out the fire? Maybe, but who would be better? All right, firefighter. Where's firefighter at? All right, there's firefighter. I like that nice hat. That'll, that'll help you. Um, all right, and the last one is I have some kids that need some help with their, their reading and writing. And I think a coach, coach knows kind of how to manage people and help, like, you know, learn, people learn new skills and things. So what do you think about the coach helping with reading and writing? You guys haven't agreed with one thing I've said today. Um, <laughs> All right, so the teacher then, you, you, there you go. All right, so we've got the right people with the right jobs, right? Okay, you guys are wondering about my credibility, aren't you? Um, but I've got one last problem that I need your help with this morning, okay? I have a lot of people that need to hear about God's love. Who should I get? Okay, let me just go ahead and answer it for you. Everybody can tell people about God's love. It doesn't matter if you're a minister, if you're one of these professions right here, one of these teachers, fighters, or basketball players, it doesn't matter what you do in life. We can all tell people about God's love. You guys can tell people about God's love. In your classroom, you can tell them about God's love and you can show them God's love. So that's something that we can all do. And let's give our volunteers a hand this morning. Thank them for helping us out. Thank you, guys. Let's close in a word of prayer. God, thank you for giving us all different gifts and interests and skills and help us to remember that we can all tell people about your great love and help us to be faithful in doing that. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. At this time, we would like to go to God in prayer. We know that there are so many in our community who are hurting, who need God's love and care, and who need us to be there for them. So I'll give you just a little while to... Um, Pray silently, and then I'll lead us together. Let us go to God in prayer.
Gracious God, we gather as your people who live in hope. Our lives provide us many opportunities to speak words of peace and reconciliation, but often we have not the daring. Make us bold, not only to speak your word, but also to live it and to share it. May we, during this hour of worship, offer to you our praise and thanksgiving. May we be a people who are so thoroughly grateful for the life you offer us that we become worthy stewards in the household of faith. Grant to us a generosity like the generosity that captured the hearts and lives of those first disciples who formed and expanded your church to the ends of the earth. God, you know we often want to take the easy way out. Too often it just seems easier not to say anything than to get involved. We confess that by not standing in righteousness with you, we allow evil, sin, and destruction to run over other people, even those closest to us. Forgive us, Lord. Be our standard and grant us the endurance to be your standard bearers in this community. As we pray today, may we remember those in our neighborhood, our state, our country, our world, who need your assurance and grace. Wherever possible, may we reach out to others with bold words and deeds. Enable us to offer grace and mercy in your name. All this we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Our next hymn is hymn number 495, Step by Step. And if um, you would, please, we'll sing that through together twice. So if you would, if you're able, please stand and join me in singing 495. Father, we thank you for the day and the opportunity to be in your house. 
Thank you for the opportunity to give back part of the blessings that you've given to us. Please bless these offerings to your work. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Henry and Logan. The Reckless Love of God. Some of you are familiar with this song. You've heard it on the radio. The chorus goes over the, over, oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. It chases me down, fights till I'm found, and leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it. I couldn't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. It is that reckless love of God that calls us to salvation. It is that reckless love of God that calls us to serve and calls us to go. This month, we have had a theme called Circles of Influence, an evangelistic theme, and our music has reflected this theme, as this song did as well. Last Sunday, we ended our time of worship with the hymn, Here I Am, Lord. And the chorus goes, Here I am, Lord. Is it I, Lord? I have heard you calling in the night. I will go, Lord. If you lead me, and I will hold your people in my heart. I'm grateful for all of those who have heard God's call. Not only that call of salvation, but that call of service. That call to, uh, for some to become teachers. Some in the school system, some in the public school system or with children, but some with uh, the university and in, and in different ways. I'm grateful for all of our educators that we have here at Bowling Springs Baptist Church. I'm personally grateful for um, a lady who is now with our Lord. Her name was Ruby Hunt. 
She was my fifth and sixth grade Sunday school teacher and she had a significant impact in my faith development growing up. After returning back to my home church to serve as youth minister back in 1996, after just graduating from Garden-Webb, um, I was serving as youth and children's minister and I needed a fifth and sixth grade teacher once again. Ruby was in retirement. I asked her if she would come out of retirement and once again teach fifth and sixth graders and she said yes, and she did it. She taught fifth and sixth graders a curriculum called Everything You Need to Know to Be a Teenager. And she was in her 70s and I was grateful to have her uh, there when I was serving as youth minister. In your bulletin this morning, you have some results from a survey that many of you participated in back in September. And if you have your bulletin handy, I would encourage you to get that out. It is an insert that's in your bulletin. And at the top of it, it's on the inside of that insert. And it says, September survey results for how people reported coming to faith in Jesus. And many of you checked more than one item, but the top response was parents who had the biggest influence on your life and helped you come to know him. And then the second was a pastor, or some may also be thinking minister, but who talked and prayed with them and uh, helped them come to know the Lord. And then the third influence as to why we're focusing on teachers this morning. I was influenced, 34 of you said, I was influenced by a teacher at church or school. This could have been Sunday school, what used to, that should say training union uh, that used to happen on Sunday nights. It could happen in different ways uh, by a different teacher at church, but nevertheless, the third highest on the list was the influence of a teacher. The influence of a teacher. This morning, Justin Webb, after our choir sings, will be sharing his testimony. And you'll be hearing of the role of a teacher that, uh, how uh, the role of the teacher in Justin's life, where, there you are, I'm looking back there. Um, and uh, you'll be sharing that. But I'm also grateful too, not only did Justin respond uh, to salvation from that teacher. But Justin, if you've sat in a young adult class or maybe you've heard him preach or teach at other times, you also know that Justin himself has the gift of teaching as well. If you're here this morning at Bowling Springs Baptist and you're a teacher, I want to encourage you with the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, where he says, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing your toil is not in vain in the Lord. If you are here at Boiling Springs Baptist and teach in any way, and no one has told you these words lately, let me offer them to you this morning. Thank you. For those in the congregation, those in the choir who teach in any way here at Boiling Springs Baptist, thank you for what you do. As we think about our future, Ellen has in the bulletin now for several weeks indicated that more teachers are needed with our children. Alan would welcome your conversations about how that could happen with our youth. We need some new adult classes here at Bowling Springs Baptist. We have some good Sunday school classes and good teachers for those classes, but there's a need for some new classes and we need new teachers to rise up and to respond to that call as well and say that I would like to teach. I could keep talking, but that's gonna take time away from Justin. Justin, we look forward to you sharing after the choir continues to lead us in worship this morning.
good morning again. My name is Justin. Um, Logan Henry, I want to tell y'all again, I appreciated that, uh, y'all playing um, The Reckless Love of God. There's a phrase in that song, uh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found. That phrase, chases me down, makes me think of a, an analogy that C.S. Lewis used one time. He said that uh, the hounds of heaven pursued him before he became a, a, a Christian. Y'all ever heard of old coon dog before? Boo! Boo! You know what I'm talking about? Jesus has hound dogs too, and he'll hunt you down. He will. But uh, anyway... I uh, share a little bit about myself, my testimony, a um, little bit of background information is probably uh, necessary, and then the points in the bulletin, what, what was your life like before you uh, became a Christian, how did you become to, come to know Jesus, uh, what person influenced you, and then what's your life like, uh, how's it been different since then? I hope to cover all those. Um, I'm an only child, um, and I grew up the first 10 years of my life not going to church. I knew nothing about God, Jesus, salvation, sin, totally foreign to, to, to anything that I'd ever heard before. Uh, my mom and dad, though, were very good parents. Uh, they taught me morality. They taught me right from wrong, you know, to, to be honest, to always do my best. But, but God was just never a part of the discussion for the first 10 years of my life, all my elementary age, uh, you know, years. And probably because of that, uh, you know, as I got older, I've reflected on it. Neither my mom or dad grew up going to church either. Um, my mom uh, grew up in Lattimore, uh, and uh, her mom died in 1973 when she was 13, and my papa had a serious alcohol problem, and she, at the time, and she got married to my dad when she was 18 to get out of the situation. And uh, since then, my grandpa, my papa was a totally different person. And uh, <laughs> whenever I check my rain gauge or hook up an implement on the tractor, I want to call papa and talk to him about, you know, we, me and him talk for about half an hour about something like that, you know. And he'll say, now, I always said Newhouse gets more rain than Lattimore, and I, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. But anyway, uh, not long ago, I, I had the pleasure of talking to him and saying, you know, I know where I'm going to be when I die. I want you to be there too. <clears throat> And he said, yeah, son, you ain't got to worry about that. So he's, he's changed now. But anyway, uh, my daddy, uh, he's the youngest of eight children. And his dad died when he was 14 in 1969. And he had a hard time growing up, too, in a lot of ways. But they, they didn't go to church. Um, anybody, just out of curiosity, I'm going to tell you age here. Who remembers the 60s in here or the 70s? Okay, several. Okay, right. Uh, anybody ever been up towards New House where Sandy Plains Church is, something like that? There's a little gas station right there. It was the Web 66. That was my papa, grandpa's store, and my granny run it after after he died. But but they, uh, you know, they, even though you could see Sandy Plains across the road, they never never really went to church or anything. So. Um, my mom and dad, uh, after they had me, I think they wanted to break some chains there. They wanted things to be different for me uh, than, than, you know, than they had experienced growing up. Um, I lived in a little, we lived in a little single wide house trailer uh, just almost across the road from PPG, if y'all know where that is. Relatively poor. Uh, house trailer still sitting on the axles, no underpinning. You know, underneath my bed, there was a hole about this big that you could throw a possum through if you had to, I reckon. And I'm kind of surprised I didn't wake up with a possum, you know, every month. But anyway. Uh, uh, um, Mom and Dad, though, they said they could lay in the bed and they could hear the church bells from Double Springs ringing through the woods, and they knew that, that we needed to be in church, you know. And so my mama got this wild hair one time. She, I guess I was 10 or 11. She decided to take me to the thing called Vacation Bible School, which I thought was a terrible idea because I'm like, 
I'm on vacation. I don't want to go to school while I'm on vacation. It's stupid, you know. Uh, but once I got there, um, it really wasn't that bad. I had a lot of friends there. And uh, John and Linda Cabinets, two people, they, they taught me the first Bible verses I ever, ever remember hearing or knowing. Uh, and then I kind of started going some to, to church. Mama took me back. You know, like I said, I had some friends there, kind of. Wasn't long after that. And this is the teacher part that I'm getting to. Our church secretary, her name was Debbie Bridges. And she took it upon herself uh, to lead an, uh, a study, as a Henry Blackaby study called Experiencing God. And she got material that was for elementary age, I guess you'd say, or middle school age kids. And me and three of my friends, her son John Bridges, my friend Jed Ware, and Mary Davis and me, for I guess it was uh, at least about a week, went over to the church every night for a couple hours, just us there. And she you know, uh, walked us through that study. And it was there in that time under her influence. I can still remember sitting at the table and her at the other end of the table and her explaining what it meant to be saved and to accept Jesus. And I, I got it then that, you know, it, no matter how hard I tried, I could try to be good, but I always messed up. There was this thing called sin and that separated me from God. And because of what Jesus did on the cross, dying and raising, rising again, I could be forgiven. I could be uh, reconciled to God and he would come and, and live in my heart, you know, and as an 11 year old, I understood that and I understood that I needed that. And it was some days later, I was sitting in the back seat of my mom and mom's car. She had a 93 Nissan Maxima and we were on Bowling Springs Road turning right onto 74. You know what I'm talking right before you, before you get to Angles at the top of the hill, if you're turning right onto 74 right there from, you know what I'm talking about? Like if you're coming from Crest or whatever, we're sitting at the stop sign and I realized that, oh, I, I really, I need to pray. And I bow my head and I remember saying, Lord, would you please save me? I believe in Jesus. I mean, I remember, and I didn't even tell nobody. Ain't like I looked up and told my mom and dad, oh, I just prayed to accept Jesus. No, I mean, I just did it on my own there. But it was because of the things that Debbie had taught me, uh, you know, that, that week before. And so then I told my mama uh, later, I said, I, I want to be baptized. And, uh, and we went and talked to our pastor, uh, Glenn Walker. And, um, and then shortly later, I don't know how much later it was, I don't remember, you know, if it was two, three weeks, a month, I don't remember that. But uh, we were all three baptized together as a family at Double Springs. And, um, and anyway, I, uh, I was very active after that in the youth group and stuff. I want to share something with you. I brought an object here. This, um, this is a little box of stuff. Let's see. Some markers, there's a pen, it's like four or five glue sticks in here. There's some glitter, notepad, colored pencils, all this kind of stuff. Um, this is stuff from that Experience in God class. This is from 1995. And I'm just realizing this is some of my handwriting from 1995 and some questions I answered. And wow, I, haven't, I didn't even look at this before I came. But I kept this. You might say, why does a 34-year-old man have a little box of glitter and glue and markers and stuff like that? You know, But this represents to me when I accepted Jesus. It means something to me. Anyway, so I have that. And I brought another object to show. Um, God used Debbie. Um, to lead me to Jesus 
And then he's used countless other people through then. And I'm sure everybody else, you know, your story's the same, that there's never just one person, that God uses a multitude of people probably to influence you and, and, and that sort of thing. Um, but uh, uh, through, after that, through pastors, youth ministers, professors, you know, uh, God, t- to give the glory and credit to God, God has used a multitude of people um, to, to, to teach me and lead me ever closer to Him. And something I wanted to share, for two years, on a full-time but temporary basis, I was able to teach uh, for the Department of Religious Studies and Philosophy at Garden-Webb. And uh, it, was, it was wonderful. It was one of the best experiences of my life. Um, but I was able, during that time, this, I don't know if anybody can read this. It says, Religion 314, Fall 2014. I was able to teach an upper-level religion course, and I greatly enjoyed it, New Testament theology. And then, like, something I want to say is that this, though, this notebook uh, teaching New Testament theology, this would have never happened if not for this. You know, um, so... Anyway, again, just, just uh, credit to Jesus for how far he's brought me, you know, from knowing nothing, you know, to, to being able to teach myself. It's, it's really good. So anyway, um, that's, uh, that's really uh, all I have to share this morning as far as how my, my life is different. Uh, you know, it's kind of like saying, what's it like to live? What's it like to be able to see? What's, I mean, my, my entire worldview my understanding of purpose in life, my, you know, I can't imagine how, how different my life, my attitude, my thought processes would be if I didn't know Jesus. It, it, it's unfathomable to me at this point. But uh, anyway, thank you all for, for listening. That's all I've, I've got to share for today. So that's it. Ladies and gentlemen, the eloquent and bold Justin Webb. The sermon this morning is the eloquent and bold Apollos. And Justin, you have set the stage for us in the most excellent way, and I am grateful for that. In just a moment, I'm going to invite you to turn to Acts 18, 23 through 28. But, before, but as, you, as you turn there, I have a question. Would you agree um, with something, and this something has a question based on the children's sermon and where we're headed just for the next few moments. But would you agree that with me that different kinds of people are needed in Christ's work in the world? Would you agree with that? We talked over these last few weeks about the different people who have influenced us in our faith journey. And this morning we've learned about the importance of a teacher who took a few 10, 11, 12 year old kids and sat down with them for a few hours, talked with them about what it means to know Christ and how you can know Christ and how you can grow in him. And I am grateful for all of those teachers, again, here at Boiling Springs Baptist, who do that. Some do it in the classrooms here at church. Some do it in, 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 with RAs and GAs or with other, in other environments in other ways. But I'm also grateful for many of our educators here who do it, whether it's at the university or do it in the school classroom as appropriate uh, in our elementary schools, middle schools, high school. Uh, many of you, I know each summer during, as Justin referenced, this, uh, this vacation Bible school sounded like a terrible idea at first, but he went and he enjoyed it. But I'm grateful that many of our educators are bringing kids to vacation Bible school and many of these kids here, and some have responded to the good news of Jesus, of which I am grateful. But in today's scripture, we learn of three individuals who were distinctly different, but played a very important role in teaching people about Christ alongside Paul, the apostle, Paul, the missionary. Uh, We learn of Priscilla and Aquila, 
and we learn of Apollos, who we're going to look at this morning, and then we learn of, uh, of course, of Paul as well. And I'm trying to find, uh, so I can read it exactly how it will be on your screen this morning, uh, from the same translation or on the screens here, but Acts 18, uh, verses 23 through 28. The scripture is, uh, begins with Paul's third missionary journey. Uh, in Acts, it outlines Paul's missionary travels, and uh, this is what he would, uh, many scholars uh, believe to be the beginning of his third missionary journey. But Acts 18, beginning at verse 23, reads, After spending some time there, he departed and went, to, and went from place to place through the region of Galatia and, and Phrygia, strengthening all of the disciples. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, well-versed in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him and expounded him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brethren encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to receive him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully confuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. May God add his blessing to the reading and the preaching of his word this morning. It's important for us to set the stage in today's scripture, and so you should find a map on the screen this morning. And on this map, some of you may be familiar with it, I made sure that Italy was in it because we kind of have a reference in Jerusalem to where things are. But in the scripture that we just read, Apollos, it says, was from Alexandria in Egypt. And you see Alexandria there at the top of, of what is now Egypt. It's estimated that in around 54 AD, Alexandria had around 1 million Jews. Alexandria was the city of scholars. It was the center of learning, like Athens, but more serious in many aspects with its scholarship. And we know from backing up in chapter 18 of Acts to verse 3 that Aquila was a Jew from Italy. And Claudius had commanded that all Jews should leave Rome. And verse 4 of chapter 18 says that he was of the same trade as Paul, and they stayed and worked together in Corinth. And it was most likely that Priscilla and Aquila were married by the time they had traveled to Corinth. It was there with Paul where they worked and ministered. They worked alongside of each other and grew together. But when Paul journeyed to Jerusalem on his third missionary journey, he felt he left the couple in Ephesus where they continued their evangelistic work. And it is here where they instructed Apollos, again, the Jew from Alexandria. And so I, I chose not to put all the lines of where Paul went uh, on his third missionary journey because in some ways it's irrelevant today. But the, the main thing we, want, we need to remember is that Apollos... This well-learned scholarly man was from Alexandria and he met with Priscilla and Aquila and Paul in Ephesus, but Aquila had been kicked out of Rome with the persecution of the Jews and they had met Paul in Corinth, traveled to Ephesus. And so our text today, the story takes place in Ephesus. And so the map was, I think, important for us to kind of set the stage for that. So what do we know about Apollos? We know that he's from Alexandria. We know that he's a well-educated man. Verse 24, it says, compared to his education today, it would be like our university. It would be like us receiving our undergraduate and then going to graduate school and then graduating top of the class with the highest GPA. That's who we're looking at when we're thinking about Apollos here in Acts 18. He had a thorough, thorough knowledge of the scriptures, it says, and he was eloquent and he was bold. 
We also know that when we are introduced to him, he was only familiar with the baptism of John, which is interesting for us. And there's a whole sermon there. He knew only the facts about Jesus, but had yet to come, yet to learn the coming of the Holy Spirit and that this Jesus was the savior for all people. He was not versed on that last part. Some say that it could have been, one of the mysteries of authorship, there's a few in the New Testament, but one of the largest ones is the book of Hebrews. And some have attributed, attributed Hebrews authorship to Apollos. We know that he was extremely popular. We know from Paul in 1 Corinthians that he had a following, and we're going to look at that in just a moment. And so what do we know about the other characters in the story? Apollos was this great scholarly man who was teaching, he was bold, he was eloquent, he was well-versed in scriptures. He knew only the baptism of John. He knew about Jesus, but did not know Jesus in a way as far as the Holy Spirit and that he was the savior for all people. So what do we know about Priscilla and Aquila? The first thing that I've always noticed about those names is that Priscilla is always mentioned before Aquila, Priscilla Priscilla being um, the lady. Some scholars believe that it could have been Priscilla who also had a hand in the authorship for Hebrews. Another interesting fact is there are always mentioned together. Sometimes you'll read in the same verse Priscilla or Aquila mentioned, but then right after it, you will see the other named mentioned as well. You see this in Acts, you see it in Romans, you see it in Corinthians and also in 2 Timothy. They were together when Paul met them. They were together in their travels. They were together in their occupation as tent makers. This is most likely how they met Paul, and they were together in hosting a church in their home. And I already said that in Acts 18.3 tells us that Aquila, again, was a Jew from Italy, that he was of the same trade as Paul, and they stayed and worked together. They came to Ephesus. Paul continued on towards Jerusalem. Priscilla and Aquila stayed there in Ephesus. And it is here where they instructed Apollos the Jew from Alexandria. So why do I say all of this? There's a lot of teaching going on here in the midst of all of this. Paul to Priscilla and Aquila, and now Priscilla and Aquila to Apollos. The scriptures tell us that when they heard Apollos speak boldly, they took him aside, which is something to note for us as leaders. They took him aside privately and explained to him the way of God more accurately. We later read that he continued to teach and travel and to demonstrate to others through the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. This was after he had that conversation with Priscilla and Aquila. So through this story, we surmise that Apollos is open to learn and open for correction, something that we all need to take heed to. The result of his time with Priscilla and Aquila was transformative for Apollos. Do you have people like that in your life? People that you look back on it now and things would have been different for your story had they not been in your story. Had you not spent that time together with them? But again, Paulus was, was moving from knowing Jesus simply as a historical person who did great things to knowing Jesus as a living presence. And there's something different and something distinct about that. We have many people today who know Jesus and who know facts about Jesus, but who do not and have not yet entered into knowing Jesus as a living presence in their life. So what does all this mean? I've told you, we put up a graph, we put up a map, we've talked about these people, Apollos and Priscilla and Aquila. What do we take away from this today? One of the things we've already talked about is one of the things we could take away. Different kinds of people are needed in Christ's evangelistic work in the world. 
Justin has reminded us of the importance of this teacher who I think you said to me, Justin, was also the secretary at the church who invested in the lives of some young kids. To some of you, it's been parents. To some of you, it's been a minister or it's been a close friend, a coworker, as we learned two or three weeks ago. Different kinds of people are needed in Christ's evangelistic work in the world. Priscilla and Aquila were different from Apollos. Apollos was different from Paul. Paul was this feisty young Jewish rabbi. Other ministers recently, when we were together in a class at Garden Web, have talked about how difficult it would be to be on staff with Paul. Paul would have been that minister that would have called you in the middle, text you in the middle of the night and say, hey, I got a great idea, or called you and said, hey, it's first thing in the morning, meet me at the church, we're going to start working on this. And um, it, would have been, it would have been difficult to work with, with Paul, most likely, but yet his fervor obviously changed the course of Christian history. And the people who worked with Paul played their own role in changing the course of Christian history. Priscilla and Aquila were gifted with teaching and with hospitality. We know they had a church in their home, and we know that from the Romans, they were risk takers. They risked their necks for Paul. We don't know exactly what that means when Scripture speaks of that in Romans, but yet Scripture tells us that they risked risked their necks for Paul and for the ministry. Apollos was a polished, eloquent, and well-educated man. In 1 Corinthians 3, verses 4 through 7, I want us to read something that helps us put things in perspective. 1 Corinthians 3, again, this was written by Paul, verses 4 through 7. For when one says, I am of Paul... And another, I am of Apollos, are you not mere men? What then is Apollos and what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to teach each one. I planted, this is Paul talking, I planted, Apollos watered, for God was causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but it's God who causes the growth. Paul says he planted and Apollos watered. We each have our own unique set of gifts and talents and skills, and we do not know, some of us may know before this life ends for us, but some of us may not know till we see Jesus on the other side as to how all these pieces of influences fit together. The sermon series this month is Circles of Influence. Many of you, as the, 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 the chart, the feedback, um, the, 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 the thing indicated is that some of you were influenced by your parents. Some of you were influenced by that coworker or that friend. Some of you were influenced by a teacher, the third highest on the list. And Justin has reminded us of a great example of that this morning. But we see here with Priscilla, Aquila, Apollos, and Paul, they were all needed in the church. And how do we know that? Because God called them. And we have proof. We have the record here in what we've read and other scriptures that we could read this morning. Paul, again, was the energetic, missionary fervor. Apollos, who watered the seed, the eloquent, the bold, he watered the seed that Paul had sown. And then again, we have Priscilla and Aquila, who settled down, opened up their home, and were host to the developing church. Each one in our text this morning was necessary for the work of God. Each one was necessary, and so are you. If you are Christ's disciple, the Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit imparts different gifts to us. If you're a Christian this morning and you've never taken time to discover and to to learn your spiritual gifts, I would love to, you can contact me during the week and we can talk about how we can do that. You can talk with Dr. Cullinan, who's very gifted and would love to do that with you as well. But the importance of knowing our gifts and how God would choose to use those gifts in our lives is very important as we seek to advance his kingdom as individuals and as a church. One of the things that we can pray is God teach me to use what I am, where I am, 
so that the good news of Jesus Christ can be advanced through me. Many of you work in areas and occupations where I'm, I'm never going to have opportunity to interact with the people that you interact with. As a pastor, I'm, I'm open and ready and willing to share Christ's love with anyone at any time. But at the same time, I'm not going to have interaction with the people who you have interaction with. You are the ones that have interactions with those individuals on a daily basis. And God has given us that responsibility. As we're reminded here with Priscilla, Quill, and Apollos, and Paul, um, we each have our own areas of influence, those who influence us and those to whom we've been called to influence as well. As I begin to close, I want to challenge us in a couple ways. One is, let us be about the process or the business of learning and growing now. None of us know in this room where that's going to, how that's going to translate in years to come. Most likely this lady who Justin referred to, who took time to, to, to minister and, and help do this experience in God's study with some older kids, some young youth, we don't know her story. And how would that have looked different for Justin or others had someone not shared with her and how she not responded uh, to God's uh, calling on her life? Things could have looked different. But children, youth, young adults, middle-aged, older adults, we must learn and grow and experience all we can in spiritual growth and service, not knowing how that is going to translate and what that's going to look like in the future. If we have life and breath and cognitive ability, we must continue to learn and to be taught the ways of God. And may we always be open to the call of God in our lives. It doesn't look like it does. Your call may not look like mine. You may be even called into the ministry and it may not be to the pastorate, but it may be in some other area. God may be calling you to vocational ministry. He may be calling you to the mission field. He may be calling you to be a teacher here at Boiling Springs Baptist. He may be calling you in some other way. But as we learn, as we grow, as we begin to hear that voice above all the other voices that clamor for our attention in today's society, may we begin to hear that voice and respond with obedience when we do hear it. I'm grateful that Justin's teacher responded to teach these kids. And I'm grateful for Justin and his response to God's call in his life as, you talked, as he talked about having opportunities to teach at Gardner-Webb and of course his teaching here at Boiling Springs Baptist as well. In closing, I'm reminded of the words in Matthew 9, 37 through 38, where Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers in the harvest field. Those words are as true for us today as they were in Paul's day and in the day of our Lord. How might God be calling you to go and to be that worker in his harvest field? Let's pray together. God, I love you and I thank you for this day and I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that when we look to it, it has power and it has authority. I thank you, Lord, that we can glean things from it that aren't just good for our intellect, but things that will help change our lives. And Father, my heart and prayer today, Lord, is if there's anyone here that have never put their faith and trust in you, that Father, they would respond in obedience. They wouldn't worry about what someone sitting around them may think, but Lord, they would respond and they say, I need Jesus in my life today. I'm a sinner in need of a savior. And Father, I pray that your spirit would speak to them and help them to respond with boldness this morning. If there are others in this place today that you've been working on for some time, Lord, and you're calling out to them, and they may not know all the answers as to what that may mean, but Lord, they do know that they hear your voice calling to step up and to step out in some way. And Father, give them the courage and the boldness to make that known today. 
Lord, if there are others that need to pray at the altar, maybe decisions that need to be made in life this week and they desperately need your direction, I pray that they would feel open to come and to respond, to pray at the altar, to kneel and to seek your face. God, how we need you. We need you as our savior and we need you as our God and we need you as we seek to be your presence in the community that you've placed us in. God, we love you and we commit this time of invitation to you in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna stand and sing together. Hymn number 427, if you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, I invite you to respond. If the Lord is speaking to you about a call to ministry, I invite you to respond as well. The altar is open for prayer. There are kneeling benches down front. Let's stand and sing together. We have a story to tell. seated uh, for just a moment. 
Our choir is going to, or each of us will be asked to respond with our, uh, the benediction here in just a moment. If you are a member, I would invite you to stay for a brief business conference this morning. If you are a guest, uh, you are welcome uh, to leave, uh, but you can also stay, and we would encourage you to do that as well. And after our choir sings, then we will have that brief time of business. <laughs>